Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined by my co-host, Will George. And missing today is Mark Wiley. This is a day at the yard, common sense pitching with Wiley and Will. Episode 176 on our network here today. We've got a special surprise guest that everybody's going to know in the audience. I'll let Will introduce him in a minute here. But before we go, uh, Will, I want to welcome back, welcome you back to your show here. We miss Mark today and hope he's doing well. But uh, how's things on the road? Doing great. Doing great. We're, uh, you know, we're excited. Uh, you know, we had, uh, we had another guest, uh, who forgot to bring his iPad or forgot to bring his, uh, laptop and only had an iPad. So we couldn't get him on the show today. So we, we got a last minute, uh, hall of fame pinch hitter coming in today. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, uh, America's most beloved sports writer, Mr. Kevin Kiernan, who I've missed, uh, our uh on our on our recent podcast with just mark and i so uh kevin and i still talk each week and uh talk about what we're seeing and want to share that with the guests today yeah it's like bringing mickey panel off the bench yeah exactly you know we got a hall of famer coming in so well before we bring bring kevin in just want to notice to our subscribers 17,400 as of this morning. Make sure you continue to download, listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review because we're battling those analytics just like baseball does. If you do so, we can keep providing you great content every week. You can get us on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher. Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram is a way to connect with our show directly, and you can actually hit our, our hosts as well. I answer one question a day on Facebook. Today it was on perspective. Um, so if you didn't get a chance to read it, read it. And I'll get it back to everybody else privately. Still on 72 countries, grassroots to MLB front offices, just trying to build a better baseball IQ out there. And as a as a little note to the audience before we begin, just prepare. As you listen to our show, prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truths about baseball and sometimes life. Because as this program in particular, like our others, has no time for the comfortable lies that are being pushed out there. So. With that, Will, I'll let you formally bring in our guest, uh, America's Most Beloved Sports Writer, Hall of Famer Kevin Kernan, and get let the show begin. Yeah, Kevin, let's go. Give us yeah, our uh, give us our kickoff. Well, I think um, I think the important thing to remember, and it's great to be with you guys, is that um, we don't, you know, we're no holds barred, and we see what we see, and 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 one of the things that's bothering me, there's a couple of things. But I, I want to talk about positive things as well. But it's very disturbing to me. I want to start off with, with the schedule. I don't like it. I know everybody's complimenting the schedule. I don't like it. And I think you can manipulate the schedule. And let me just throw this at you guys. Um, I found it very curious. Uh, and we'll start off here. And I'm just throwing this at you. You haven't heard this before. But the Yankees are playing a huge series against the Rays. Big four-game series. They played the Rays last weekend down in Tampa. Lost two or three, and it was a you know it's kind of it's like it was a typical Rays experience. Uh, you know, difficult to maneuver through, and and they could have won all three, but they only won one. The Yankees, but that's what happens when you play the Rays. Things like that happen. So my point is this: Isn't it funny? In between, the Yankees get the biggest gift in the world. They get the A's in a home series. <laughs> where you can realign your pitching, you can save your bullpen, you can really give the guys a break, you can bring Judge back to the lineup, get him a few at-bats. I'm not saying this was done on purpose, but isn't it funny how it worked out that the, the A's come into town just when the Yankees need them? And the thing is, there's more teams like the A's. So my point is, this new schedule, I know everyone is saying, oh, it's so great. You don't play your own division as much, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's so great. And and some of these games don't excite me at all. You know, uh, National San Francisco. Does that excite you? You know, uh, you know, all the, you can just go down the list. Just just what we see all the time. And 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 it, I think it takes away 
it takes away uh, uh, from the from the division rivals. And too bad if you got to play your own division more and you got to be better against your own division. That's your division. That's where you live. So that's life. So so once again, it's just a small thing, but it's a manipulation of the of the, the schedule, a manipulation of the fans, and for the most part, nobody sees it. And nobody's writing about it. Kevin, did you like it better when it was there was no interleague play when there was that kind yes, of yes because yeah. the All Star game meant something and the World Series meant more. That's another thing too, Dave. the The whole watering down of the playoff system is, it, and and uh, what these teams are doing is the quote unquote smart. None of them are really smart, but the smart teams are are going to just basically lay in the weeds, get everybody healthy, and be ready to make your run. Make sure you make the playoffs, but it's a watered down system, so you you got to be really bad not to make it. And then, and then go from there. And you got a series to begin with. It's no longer the it's no longer the, the uh, a crapshoot with the wild card game where you hit a, hit somebody on a bad day. Uh, so so I think, and I said it in my column today, just to be posted up all nine. But the regular season has just become a streaming a content for streaming surface services uh, uh, services, a lot of ballet sports and all the things. The regular season, for the most part is meaningless uh, because you just, uh, you know, you, 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 you're basically, everybody that should be a playoff team is going to be a playoff team. That's why I see it. I could be wrong. Let me know what you think. You know, you know, Kevin, as you make that point, and you and I are older than, than Dave, and we grew up where basically one team came out of each league for the World Series. Yes, and- nice. 19, like, that, like 1960, for example. Yeah, you know, and uh, or you know, uh, you know, as they got into some divisions, short, you know, a five game series to see who was going to go play in the World Series, and uh, you know, uh, like hockey and basketball kept expanding, kept expanding. Everybody gets in the playoffs. Yeah, the playoffs become pretty exciting. There's some good games, but the regular season loses any of its uh, passion that, that you used to have. And I think those those are great points that you've made, Kevin. And it's a further, it's it's a, it's diluting it further by the one things we we used to like was, and it could be the I'm I'm just going to say the East Coast now. You know, the, the the Yankee Red Sox series were always interesting. I turn them on. You know, Padres Dodgers always interesting. I turn them on. You know, yeah, I, you, and you even know, the, the crappy uh, central teams, sometimes when they played each other as yeah. Cardinals, Brewers, I'd watch it. But now, none of it matters. No, you know, I uh, was talking to my brother, who's a former minor league player and longtime scout who's retired now. And him and my sister-in-law watched, I think it was on one of the streaming ser- services. It was a history of the Yankees and Red Sox series. And as they were watching these old videos of games and the fights that would break out during the games and the, and the level of uh, emotion and passion that the game used to be played with day in and day out that we, we is now reserved for only in the playoffs. It seems like is the only time or we the see WBC will or the WBC yeah, or the WBC where we actually see the passion, you know, that we grew up and we loved that drew us to the game. You know, passion draws us all into everything. It's our passion for baseball to compete, to have fun with our friends and play and beat people that we don't like. Now everybody likes everybody and they hug everybody all the time. So it's, uh, you know, we're, we're not seeing any passion in the game. How much of the science, the, the abuse or overuse of science math has taken that all out of the game, do you think? Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, you have robots that look at cards and don't know where to move on the field unless they can look at a card. They don't know what pitch <laughs> to throw unless they, unless they're told what pitch to throw. Uh, you know, last night I saw kids start the second game of a uh, a ball doubleheader in the first inning. He threw twenty seven pitches. He threw one fastball. No way. That's it. One fastball. See, this is why I love talking to Will Dave because he's he's out in the field and he sees these things in their when in their in their roots. When, when I, and, and, and and you know, and and I shared with the group of scouts or with some pretty good scouts that are at this game that never in my life 
had I've used this terminology, but I've used it four times now on pitchers in in the minor leagues that they show their fastball. They don't pitch with it. You know, used to be he has a he shows an occasional curveball because we taught guys to command fastballs, how important that was. He'll show a changeup to keep people off of his fastball. This guy shows his fastball, but through close to 70% sliders in five innings of pitching. I'm seeing that in the majors too. And, and, uh... and, and again, you know, we could, we could have brought, brought the whole band back together and had Sal on today and talked about, and, 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 and you, your guys, other guests this week, the number of injuries, you know, at some room, it, it, it's at some point we have to address the elephant in the room with the owners, with the team doctors, with the minor league directors, the general managers, the team presidents, the people in player development that are sticking their head in the sands. What we're doing is not working. We have so many injuries. It is, it's, it, it's horrendous. It, 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 it's horrible. Who's, who's in a room? Well, and I'm not, if you can't share this, that's fine. But I guess in general terms, who's in a room when that decision is being made to, let's say, sign a Carlos Rodon, who probably won't even take the mound this year? Well, it's it's it, it's a general manager. You know, when you're going to spend that kind of money, the team presidents uh, goes all the way up to the owner. Um, it has his highest level lieutenants who've read through reports. They've dug through analytic studies. Um, you know, they're. I, I, you know, I don't know how much common sense is ever brought in. And, you know, I, you know, Rodon, DeGrom, look at their recent histories. Um, Did you really want to invest that kind of money with guys who've been injured that much? There's got to be some fear. Um, On our feed this morning, what do you say? DeGrom's going to have more MRIs this year than start. Yeah, no. And, you know, another veteran scout made another point to me, and I'll throw this out there to you guys and we could discuss it. Um, The MRI has kind of been the support to more DL time. When we didn't have MRIs and somebody was stiff, you told them to put some atomic bomb on it, go out and stretch it and keep trying to play through it. You know, we were taught, you know, all the older guys that we've brought on, we were taught that we had to learn how to play with some pain. You played a long season, a long schedule, and there's good pain and stiffness that comes with playing baseball and all the things that you have to do. And you have to learn to play through that. And then there is serious pain that you got to recognize, get in and see the trainer and we'll get you to a doctor. Well, you know, and, it, it, I, I, you made me think of something, so I got to throw it out there before I forget it. But it, it's become, a, it's become a, a crutch for GMs. Oh, we, you know, we, yeah, we struggled this year because we were injured. Well, that's oh, part yeah. of the job. Don't, yeah. don't get injured guys. You know, injuries yeah. happen here and there. But I, I want to get both your guys' opinions, especially, uh, you know, well, well, Will, from 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 a major league perspective on this, but Dave also from a teaching perspective. And, and I'm watching a game the other day at the Rays, who were held up to the you know held on high as the greatest development, and they probably are the greatest development organization. I'm not going to take that away from. Them. But I'm watching the game, and Clevenger, their rotund reliever, um, uh, basically there's a Aaron Hicks is caught off third base. There's a rundown. Clevenger gets involved early on in the in the uh, in the rundown, and I could be wrong here, but you don't want your pitchers in rundowns too often. And he he botches the whole thing basically, trips right. over Hicks, he tags him, but the umpire doesn't see him. And that's another subject too. But the umpire is getting worse. I'm telling you right yeah. now, I don't know why, but it's getting worse. The umpire doesn't see the tag, so he doesn't make a call. Of course, the ball sits on the ground. Uh, Hicks doesn't get up and run home where he would be declared safe. Um, Clevenger blows out his ACL. Uh, Betancourt, the catcher, finally realizes, hey, it's a live ball. The, the umpire didn't call him out. Um, 
he picks it up, sh- shuttles it home, and they make a late tag on Hicks. I mean, in, if, if he had 30 seconds to explain what's wrong with baseball, that was it. Uh, oh, but I yeah. just want your opinion on that play and, and what's going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the I think I shared with you yesterday, Kevin, when, uh, you know, they put the pretend runner on second base in an extra inning game. A guy hit a – nobody ever moves him over with a bunt because that's not allowed anymore. You know, where you want to get him 90 feet from home plate, you want to keep him at 180. But a guy hit a fly ball to right field, moved the runner over, and two pitches later he got picked off third base. He was, I don't know, 45, 50 feet off the base. I don't, where, where are you going in the, in the 11th inning? Where, you, you, you know, I get it. You got to get a secondary lead. If it's in the dirt, you might be able to score. But my gosh, you were. 45 feet like you were running home uh, like a squeeze was on or something and it wasn't and 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 you see that and you know one of the older scouts made a great point at a game he said not only has the clock moved the game along but the atrocious base running and the outs that they run into every game shuts innings down you know guys trying to steal third base with two outs uh, I, 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 I've, I've seen it three or four times in the last two weeks. I see guys that just run themselves out of innings where the, where the third base coach, they never look and pick up and they hit a ball in the gap and they're out by 30 feet at third base. It shuts the inning down and, and, and it just, you know, moves the game along. I'm not complaining. I get home earlier, but, but the level of play is, is atrocious. They don't work on anything. And there's no accountability. Yeah. Yeah. They, you, you, you know, I, you know, the, I think there were, and, and it's a high a ball game, but you know, there were probably in the double header last night, 11 errors, um, probably five or six base running errors. Uh, I don't think there was a cutoff man that was hit all night. Um, and, you know, then you, you, you know, you also see a guy throw 27 pitches and throw one fastball in the first inning of a game. And, and it just, you know, I, I, it's not, it's not right. That's all. How should that rundown be go, Dave? How, how should that rundown go? And where does the pitcher go in that situation? Like, I agree with you that the pitcher should be the last option um, yeah. in, in the fielding play. Cause it, as ironic as it is, pitchers spend their whole life throwing and in those casual throwing situations where it's a regular fielding play that they're probably the worst throwers um, for yeah. whatever reason. And they're not, they're not training in a way that, um, you know, we, we, we chat about it on, on all of the shows, but they're not out there fielding ground balls during infield practice, catching fly balls, taking PFP. So that the movements that he blew his ACL out in a casual North and South rundown, um, yeah. To me, that's that's a tra- that's a breakdown in the system, not just from a fundamental standpoint, but also from a training standpoint. And I was watching him do it, and my younger son was cringing because he was pump faking while he was coming at, and that's like you would do something to your little brother yeah. on the flinch. You pump. That's fake. what you do in the backyard when you play pickle. Dave, all, all, all those points, you know, bring back so many memories. That was a team fundamental in spring training every week. Where, where, where we did rundowns, um, you know, I still hear Earl Weaver and Cal Ripken Sr., you know, you know, we want to keep the pitchers out of this. They're, they're not athletes. You know, they would always say jokingly, but you have a place that you have to be and you would always be there. And you knew that you didn't do pump fakes, that you wanted to get the runner moving. And once you got the runner moving – you gave up the ball to the second baseman, the shortstop, the third baseman, the first baseman, wherever you were involved in this thing or the catcher, and he was going to get the out. Once you got that runner moving, you know, you know, you know, we were always told a, a rundown should take one or two throws. Two throws, throws. Yeah. Two throws. You, know, you, you know, you get the guy to commit, and once you get him to commit, give it up. And it should be one, two, tag, he's out. And but but we worked on that. We worked on PFP. Um, you know, you know, I, I see no sense of urgency. I've seen guys beat out 
three to one ground balls that are easy outs because neither the first baseman or the pitcher had any sense of urgency because they don't do PFP anymore. You know, and 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 I'm not talking about um, world class speed guys. I'm just talking about normal base runners that are get, beating out a ground ball to first base because the pitcher is a little bit late getting there. There's no sense of urgency. The first baseman lobs like a lollipop instead of a firm throw to get the out, and the, like like there's no clock on on who's running and no sense of urgency to get an out. One of my endearing memories of backfields in spring training, which is where I used to like to go to, this was actually on a half field, but I went over to do a story on tra- uh, finding about Travis Don't know how good he was because the Phillies yeah. had drafted him or whatever. But yeah. I happened to the the the, the catcher, I, the the uh, instructor I was waiting for was running a PFP drill with Roy Holiday in the middle of yeah. it, and yeah. nobody does PFP like Roy Holiday did. Oh yeah. Did. Yeah, and like you're saying, there was aggression, there was uh, all that stuff of uh, you know sense of urgency. Uh, I simply believe they don't work on anything anymore. No, no, and they, they and they don't know how to work on it because they are they have either the coach's hands are tied or they the guys in charge don't have a clue what they're talking about. Well, they they're 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 fearful that players are going to get hurt by being on the field doing extra work. That's a good point. Yeah, they don't. They want yeah. to cut down. It's almost like the uh, pitch limit. They, yeah, you know, pitcher now has these crazy pitch limits. Well, now these fielders have fielding limits. You know, they have adverse effect. I mean, they're getting hurt anyway. They have sleep chambers at the ballpark. Um, you know, there's there, there 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 are so many things that are not working that they're spending a lot of money on, and they're spending a lot of equity, and they're not helping anyone get better you know the 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 obtrusive pitch counts for young starters we're not going to end up developing any starters over the next 10 years if we cut everybody off at you know five innings and and 75 pitches in the minor leagues you got to take the leash off and stretch them out it's how you learn how to pitch you learn like Roy talked about last week having a game plan uh, of, of how to go deep into a game you know, that it's not about swing and miss only. You know, it's about getting outs, getting quick outs. If you can get quick outs, you can get deep in a game. You know, you know, do the math. You know, they're all mathematicians, and I'm not that good. But if I have five guys who can get me in seven innings and my relievers only have to go two innings and I got another six or seven guys down there, then my relievers probably stay fresher all year. I have, if my guys are going seven innings, my gosh, we're probably a better team, aren't we? Yeah, just then, like the Yankees will be a better team this series because they had the A's before them, so they didn't yeah. have to stress their bullpen. Funny yeah. story. A funny story on the uh, the uh, you something you mentioned, Will. One day I was a, I had a, an interview scheduled with Jose Reyes. I scheduled to the team and the agent. And, he, you know, sometimes it's not easy to get guys at their lockers. And it was a very important interview at the time. And um, so I go down to find him in the clubhouse, not there. I, I, I enlist the help of a couple players. I, even get, I think even uh, the manager helped. Everybody's looking. Nobody could find him. Uh, so the interview gets, gets tabled. Uh, when I finally see him, like the next day or, or maybe an hour later, I forget what it was, uh, Jose came to an apology, very apologetic. He said, Kevin, I'm sorry. I fell asleep in a sleep chamber and, for, and <laughs> nobody could get me. <laughs> I said, sleep chamber? What is this, Star Trek? Yeah. And, and this was, oh. uh, you know, years ago. And uh, yeah. this is with the new city field. But that's the thing. All these ballparks, I'm glad you mentioned, they have these crazy things in them, uh, like a Star Trek sleep chamber. Oh, uh, I'm just happy that Jose woke up in this in this uh, in this time time and space and didn't wind up in 1893. You know, it's uh, it, the, the the ballparks and the big leagues and even even some of the minor leagues now are like like resorts. You know, you have sleep chambers. You get three square meals a day in there. Um, you know, you have a nutritionist and and a chef that travel with the teams and and literally. I, 
and 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 you know the the funny stories I have a friend whose son is a clubhouse guy is they have these beautiful meals that are nutritionally balanced and his son brings home 15 meals a night that they freeze at his house. <laughs> um, he's, you know, he's down in Delmarva and, you know, like he'll get a, a, a beautiful meal from Outback Steakhouse for the players after a game. And, you know, there's 32 kids on the, and plus the staff and he'll bring home 15 meals and kids will order, from Grubhub, you know, because the players get more signing bonuses now and, you know, they're now paying the players better. They don't want to sit down and eat a steak and a ba- <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, considering, considering we had nothing in, in our clubhouse when I was playing in the minor leagues. Well, I remember a couple of Yankee veterans, one in particular, he, he told me that Grubhub was a game, game changer for his whole road schedule. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. uh, and that's, again, these are things, that's what's great about our show. And when we talk, because we give you information, but it's also behind the scenes stuff. These are stuff no fan has a clue about. You know, some of these guys don't leave their hotel room anymore. I I, yeah. I remember, um, uh, you know, when the Padres came to New York, there were a couple of Padres who were scared to death of New York uh, and, and would never leave their hotel room. And they didn't have Grubhub back then. But now yeah. that, that that's what's going on. It is. So I think the big thing that what we're saying here is they have, they have all this luxury, all these things given to them. But the one thing I'm seeing that needs to be improved is the time that needs to be on the baseball field working on baseball things needs to, needs to be upgraded. Yeah. No, well, you know, and that, not to make light of it, but let's talk about a good thing is that all this nutritional stuff and, you know, you know, you know, when I signed in 1977, you would go in a clubhouse and there would be a tap for beer. There would be free chewing tobacco and snuff. So, so you know, you know, they were giving us stuff that wasn't any good for us. You had all the vices covered. Yeah, yeah. You know, we had all of our vices covered. And, and you know, now there's no chewing tobacco in there. There's, you know, they have gum and seeds and they have three meals a day and, and it's all nutritionally balanced and they have protein drinks. They have, you know, whatever you need, you know, a- anything for your body. So like, you know, you know, that's the other counterproductive thing that you go, well, why are so many guys hurt if you're doing all this stuff and you're spending all this money to do this stuff and you have two strength and conditioning guys and a trainer who are in the gym with, well, there, there's the reason why they're in the gym with them every day of the week. That's why they're getting hurt because they're not on the baseball field doing baseball movements. They're in a gym doing weightlifting. Yeah. Ironically, you guys stayed healthier, pitched longer. Um, yeah. I mean, amazing T- tobacco snuff and yeah. beer on tap and yeah, they're getting pulled, pulled chicken and, you know, vegan. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Yeah, kale, kale salad with quinoa and quinoa and uh, and some uh, soybean soybean oil on. I got a I got a fundamentals question for both of you guys. So you know, they, when they come into these minor league situations, we're we're looking at like you'd said, missed cutoffs, uh, poor base running, uh, people not understanding how to pitch, relying on bands. And I hate to go back in time, but I think we have to back. Let's say when when you came into and, and Kevin, when you were covering that stuff, um, didn't guys come in with a little bit of that innate knowledge on cutoffs and, and whatnot? They were better schooled yeah. coming into it than they are right now. Is that that part of it too? Yeah, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll go on that one. You know, growing growing up, we we did team fundamentals, and now everybody has a guru that they go to and they train for themselves. So the pitchers spend a lot of time trying to throw harder, increase spin rates, but nobody's teaching them how to be a complete pitcher that I was taught how to do, which was to throw strikes, you know, how to sequence pitches, um, how to field my position, how to be in the right place. Um, you know, the old saying that all of us heard growing up, you should never be standing still on a baseball field. I watch games now where pitchers don't ever back up bases. They stand and they watch after they give up their gapper with the bases loaded. They're not backing up any bases. 
the uh, the off outfielders not backing up any bases. Sometimes the cutoff man doesn't even get to where he's got to be to. And it's like, well, you know, when you never do it, it doesn't become habit. And, you know, that's, you know, that's the case. You know, I, you know, there were things, you know, signing out of high school, I didn't have all the answers, but I, I had a fundamental things that I was taught in high school and in, 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 in playing summer ball that we did cut off some relays and I knew, you know, where, where I needed to be uh, all the time as a pitcher. And I kind of knew where everybody else needed to be too, you know, because my coaches taught the right thing. I, you know, I was taught, you know, uh, how important because the sacrifice bunt first and second, no outs. If I got off the mound and covered the, the third base side and I got that lead runner, I was one pitch away, you know, okay, you got first and second, no outs, you throw a strike you, you get off the mound, get the lead runner at third, you throw another strike and get a ground ball, you're now out of an inning that you were just, you know, underwater, right? You know, you, you know nobody talks about that stuff. I see guys try to strike, strike out their way out of an inning now instead of realizing you're always one pitch away from two outs with runners on base. Well, that's, that's why you keep the double play in order. And um, yeah. I was watching a Padre game the other day, I think the guy's name was Felton pitching. I could be wrong. I think it was a yeah, it was the Padres, and he gives up three walks in one inning, pitch, starting pitching pitcher. It might have been the first or second inning. He uh, gives up a gapper, like you said. He has a brain fart. He just stands to the right of the mound, doesn't back up home. The ball gets loose from home, and and uh, no, actually, I think it was the Rockies game to be honest, because because Bud Bud Black came out, and yeah. Bud Black came out. And I give Bud Black credit. He came right out after that play, and you could tell he read in the riot act. So yeah. that's that's what I'm talking about when I talk about accountability. That's what I that's what I want to see. You're always going to make mistakes in the game. It happens. That pitcher got into his own head, probably because he was walking so many guys and he was just having a bad day. But if you come out and and say something, which Bud Black did, and then the guy got his act together and he managed, uh, he managed the last, I think five innings and get the win. So there's nothing wrong with, with correcting people. That's my point. Yeah. That, that confrontation is lost nowadays. We, um, you know, we've talked celebrations in the past too. What, what are, I mean, whose responsibility is that when, when guys are either, I mean, obviously the manager, but what happened, what's happened to the leadership on the club? You know, I don't get, I'm, I don't know, I'll let Will explain, but the, the celebration thing doesn't bother me as much, even though it's kind of childish. I think it shows how, you know what it does? It takes me back to my days of coaching T-ball and and, uh, and uh, minor league before, in little league, before you made the major leagues. These kids had the same attitude as T-ball players. They need, they need to get a snack. They need, an, they need, they hit a home run, but they need to be rewarded for hitting the home run. So I almost laugh at it. Whereas other guys might get upset about it. What, what's your thoughts on Will? You know, I just, uh, you know, I like the passion to a certain point, but sometimes they just go too far. And, you know, unfortunately, I was listening to MLB radio yesterday <laughs> driving and there was a couple <laughs> younger people on and they were making fun of the unwritten rules. Well, well, what are on? Well, unwritten rules are just things that are, you know, you have class and you play the game with respect for the other people because we all know it's a hard game. Those of us who have played it know how hard it is. So you don't want to embarrass somebody in a game that's built around failure, do you? Do you really want to do that? Because you're going to fail an awful lot too. Do you, do you always want somebody to embarrass you every time you fail? No. So... How about just having a little bit of class? You know, the old Joe Paterno saying, you know, act like you've been there before when you do something good. You know, I, it, it, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, over the top sometimes. It's just, uh, and to me, it's classless and there's no leadership, no leadership of veteran baseball people and veteran players that are just saying, hey, 
cool. It, what about confrontation cool. on things like we talked about base running mistakes? You know, like you mentioned with the pitchers, Not I see as a good thing. And where's the, the the internal leadership? The manager has that responsibility. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's hacking. You know, you know, so many times. It's not a complete coaching moment, but it's a moment that needs to be addressed immediately. You know, that, hey, that's unacceptable. You cannot run us out of this inning. You know, that's that's, that's what coaching is about, right? Teachable yeah. moments. When someone yeah. asks, yeah. teachable moments, you get it right away. And it should especially be done in the minor leagues, I think. I think um, uh, it's almost sometimes too late in the majors unless you learn the hard way. And again, there used to be veterans that, that did that. I saw it left and right with the Yankees and the yeah. Mets back in the day and the Padres. You know, Tony Gwynn said a certain uh, tone. Yeah. Um, your veteran player sent a tone. I just want to, I want to read you guys something a, a, a scout sent me this week. Um, and he, he makes the point that clubs are always trying to cop, copy the, the Rays analytical approach. Uh, and he says, um, but from his travels, he says he's noticed a relentless with defensive fundamentals, base running, situational hitting. Um, you know, they some kind, sometimes they come unglued at the plate, but only when the scoreboard allows them to. It's a form of situational hitting. And then he gave me a specific answer. He said, uh, uh, example, he said, I watched their double A club do pregame work. Then I watched the opposing club do the same. It's embarrassing how much more work gets done at a much higher intensity level with, with the Rays. That, that, that's from low A to, ma- to major league. That is no why they're successful. I hear that from every guy I know that covers their organization is that there's a reason that they fundamentally do things right. And they also have the confidence in their own players to bring them to the big leagues and let them perform because they know that they've been taught how to play. Whereas, you know, the teams that don't do the work, then you see the blunders where you go, this guy's not ready to play in the big leagues. That's a great point. Yeah. You know, and it's just, uh, no, they, uh, the, you know, you know, yesterday, you know, we had an 11 inning game on Tuesday night. We had a five o'clock doubleheader last night. The one team came out and did a little bit of work, but it was nothing more than eyewash because hippie it, hops. It, it was hippie hops. Yeah. You know, it was like, you really think you're helping your infielders who went on in the games to make uh, seven errors that night, <laughs> you know, you know, hitting them little soft ground balls, coaches that can't even hit good fungos. Um, and, and, and I'm just going, gosh, this is not, you know, bring the whole team out, take a really good infield, outfield, and, and make them hit cutoff men. You know, you know, take a quick round of BP so that you don't get swept and get four hits in the two, two games. Over. You know, but you didn't. Because you won the first night on a on a giveaway run that somebody gave you, uh, so it's just I, 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 you know, I, you just shake your head sometimes. That's all. Lack why, of, why aren't they doing it? That, I mean, I, I guess that's the million dollar question. Well, is- because 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 it's a long season, Dave, and when you're spending two hours in the weight room, you don't want to. You know, you know, you don't want to get drained doing any baseball things that are going to help you become a better baseball player. You God just forbid. want to look stronger. God forbid. So, you know, and bigger, I think that- you, you know, you know, and I think I said this to you yesterday. You always hear athletes are bigger, stronger, faster, but they're not better at their sport. You know, you know, think back to the, you know, to the NBA when guys could pick and roll and they knew how to play defense and they knew how to. Uh, you know, go back door on somebody, you know, they, 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 they had more feel for the game. Yeah. They're bigger, stronger, faster, and they do more highlight things, but the game itself's not being played as well. And, and the same things in baseball, you know, somebody hits a 500 foot home run, somebody throws a hundred mile an hour fastball. It's all we watch on sports center, but we don't watch, the trash that we see in between those two moments in a game, which is not good baseball because they're bigger, stronger, faster, but they're not better baseball players or better pitchers now. 
one one of the things I like to do too, Dave, that gives me insight. I, I meant to put it in my column for today, but I forgot about it. I got, I got sidetracked on something else. But the um, I like to look at the minor league numbers, you know, and see how teams are doing. And I'm not just talking about win loss because I still think that's important. But I was look. I was doing a deeper dive on the Mets yesterday. St. Lucie is eight tw- eight and twenty. They have a, tw- a tw- two eighty six winning percentage. Um, uh, but 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 it gets worse. And then your double A team, uh, Binghamton, is hitting two hundred three. Two hundred three is a team. Yeah. Nineteen stolen bases. The team that has the most has sixty one in the league. So they're not hitting. They're not running, and and they're uh, they're not pitching that well either. In Triple A, uh, you know, the, they were struggling as well. And then I looked over at. I keep hearing about Jason Dominguez. You know how close he is. And I said, yeah, maybe he is close. But I, I just looked at his at batting average, and I know batting average doesn't mean anything to the to the nerds, but it means something to me. He's sitting one eighty four. Well, no, he he he's over two hundred now, Kevin. And good news for all your Yankee fans that listen, he's going to be okay. Good. Um, first first time playing in cold weather, and from what I understand, he really really struggled with you know being in the Northeast up early in the year here. And um, as the weather heated up, I just saw him play last week. And I, uh, you know, he was hitting 160 last week this time, Wednesday, I think. And now he's at 212, I think. So, and, How far you know, he, away is he? He's still a ways away. He's only 20 years old. Let him play. Let him play, yeah. But, but he's, you know, he's – got a he's got power and got a good swing from both sides i think he's going to hit i don't think he can stay in center field but boy he's uh you know you know he he got on a 94 mile an hour fastball and hit it over the light towers the other night that was you know like a a man amongst boys in that series uh where there was a lot of guys who couldn't hit <laughs> well, that's impressive and the uh yeah. And again, if you have those glimpses, that gives you the confidence. And again, playing in cold weather is very difficult. Yeah, you know, especially for a young Venezuelan kid who played in the, you know, the Gulf Coast League and the Florida State League and got promoted to Hudson Valley in June last year. So the weather had already warmed up up here after being in Tampa. And then he finished the season in Somerset where it was warmer, you know, in September. He had an unbelievable playoff series up there. He had a good spring training with their big league club. I think he's going to be fine. Who's he comp to? Uh, is he a Melky Cabrera? Is he better? Is that his? I think he's better. You know, he's tough. Uh, funny, I was with somebody the last two weeks. We saw him last week, and we were just talking about this. There are no comps because he's five ten. He's a switch hitter. You know, maybe Kirby Puckett playing because I think he's going to end up in the corner, and I think he's got the power to play the corner. Um, you know, high two eighties hitter. Uh, there's not impact speed, but he's he he's a good he's a good player. I mean, but there you know over the years, you know, there's not a lot of comps that you can think of that are five foot ten switch hitters that are corner outfielders with power, really. You know, just, you know, I'm trying to jog my memory. You know, usually the switch hitter guys are contact guys with some more speed than he has, not not power guys like he has. Mickey Mantle had power. A little bit. A little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, he was a, he could also play it. True center field, couldn't he? Yeah, he, he had to speed. They say he was yeah. before he had his knee. He was the fastest yeah. I ever saw. Yeah. So, and Jason's just an average runner. You know, he's not. A, uh, I don't think he's going to impact the game with his speed. He's going to impact it with his bat. Well, speaking of what we were talking about earlier in pitching, another another scout sent me a thing yesterday. Uh, he happened to send me the Tarpons roster down in, in Tampa. And he pointed out to me that they had, I think he said, and they had the list there, and they had 10 pitchers on the DL. A Class A team with 10 pitchers on the DL already. Uh, And they're all having Tommy John. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. 
you know, we had somebody on our Facebook send us a picture of that list after our Jim Colonel interview the other day. With oh, that. yeah? Yep, it's right on. I'll send it to you guys. Yeah, it was. I was in shock. That's a that's a that's the global pandemic right there oh. that we didn't see. Um, hey, with with um, you guys were talking about this before the show. I think our audience would benefit from it. You know, when when you're seeing prospects come into the league or being getting drafted into into minor league baseball, let's say you have a certain path that you project them on based on the skill sets they've shown, and then there's things that happen to them when they get to the minors that takes them off that trajectory. Um, you know, we talked a little bit of Volpe, uh, swing changes. Uh, yeah. Can you, can you guys talk a little bit about that back and forth? Go ahead, Will. Yeah. I, you, you know, you know, you see a kid as an amateur, you try to project what he's going to be, whether he's a high school kid, there's a little bit more projection, uh, physicality wise as they mature and grow into man strength. College kids are a little closer to their man strength and, you know, you know, you look at their skill set and figure out what, how am I going to put this player in the best position to be, you know, successful? You know, whether it be a kid that's a college shortstop, that now that we've taken away the shift and you have to have true range, you know, you, you know, that's one thing that the new rules is are certainly going to do is. Um, second baseman and shortstop are going to have to have range again because it can't be three guys on the same side of the field, you know, covering a half of the field. You got to, you're going to have to be able to cover more ground. So, um, you know, I, I, I think the skill set, you know, always, always kind of, uh, you know, like the old saying, you know, most guys that get drafted out of college and high school or that are infielders are shortstops. And, you know, if, if he has the speed, you say, well, you know, we'll start him there, but he'll play his way off a shortstop eventually if he can't handle it. Um, you know, but you want, you know, you want good hands, you want good feet. You want to, uh, you want to see some instincts and reaction, you know, and then the other pitch position that I think, we're going to have to revert back to because the the analytic people made the stolen base non-existent for so long is we're going to have to have catchers that can actually catch and throw because the stolen base is back. And if you cannot throw and you, you're catching on that lazy ass one knee thing, and you're throwing two one fives with a below average arm, you're not going to throw anybody out. So, 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 so the game is going to have to evolve. And then when, and when they go to the automated strike zone, all the catchers who've stayed in baseball because the analytic people said they were good framers, uh, which always made me laugh. You know, good framers who had you know, four pass balls a night, you know, I'll take somebody who can actually block yeah. a ball and yeah. just catch the strikes. Okay. Catch the strikes. And if my pitchers throw strikes, we're going to be okay. Well, you know, the, the, the framer catcher who can't throw has no place in baseball anymore. Does he, if you have an automated strike zone in a game, that's becoming more athletic with stolen bases. So you know, you know, there's going to be a lot of evolution in, in, into things, you know, and what you always want to do. And, and I think something that uh, not covering Tampa, but talking to people that cover them is they take what you can do and they make you the best at that. They're not trying to reinvent every kid that they sign. They sign a kid that's got a good fastball and a good curveball. Let's give you the best chance of throwing strikes and commanding those two pitches and how to put those two pitches together and get people out. If you can run and put the ball in play, let's teach you how to run and put the ball in play and get on base and make some things happen and then become a competent defender. Be those careful. Are all, common sense. Be yeah. Careful. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, those are all common sense things. You know, I mean, you know, one of the beautiful things that, you know, the first day I signed when we had our first meeting in Bluefield, West Virginia, was the scout that signed you thought you could play in the big leagues. So we're not here to change you. We're going to let you go. 
and you're going to go out and compete. And we're going to try to help you take what God's given you and get you to the big leagues. But if we see things that we need to fix through failure, we need to fix them. You got to be open to being fixed. Are guys being unnecessarily changed in some cases? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when when you have a cookie cut approach where everybody pitches from the stretch and everybody looks the same and they're all trying to do the same thing, create high spin rate uh, at the top of the strike zone and throw sweepers. Or if you're a hitter, hit the ball up in the air with launch angle hard and everybody's doing the same thing then you're really not fixing anybody. Why don't you take what they can do? You know, make somebody a good hitter before he becomes a power hitter. Along those lines, uh, uh, again, uh, you know, I I try to bring stuff that I see, but also what people tell me. And um, uh, the the same scout with the Rays, he he gave me a a, – he was watching the game, you know, I think it was one of the fake runner games. And, uh, you know, the Rays team – hit the ball the other way, got the run in. The other team tried to hit, launch, you know, lift and launch. Yeah. Struck out three times, and the Rays won the game. So so the point is, and it wasn't just the extra innings. It was doing the game, too. When they had a run in scoring position, they were they were cognizant of moving him over. Right. So, so it still seems to me there's some Ra- uh, Rays have baseball people there. I want to compare this to uh, real life in a way, and I think what we're seeing with baseball – the nerds have screwed it up, and now they're trying to correct it with the rules, making it easier to steal bases because they screwed the game up so badly. So I see the nerds almost as AI, you know, artificial intelligence. Yeah. And and they've, they've artificially intelligence screwed up the game, and now we're trying to get it back. So that's the way I see it. I mean, I, I, I have no... You know, I was usually pretty... You know, I, I, I was a listen to both sides, guys, but now I'm done with it. I have no compassion, no interest, and no respect for the nerds. I think they've ruined the game to the 10th degree. The quicker they get out of baseball, the better for baseball. Hey, that's a good analogy. I, I, part of how we do homeschool is to combat AI, and it, it really shuts down creativity and genius. It doesn't matter. If it does, like, exactly. Oh, and maybe that's what I was trying to say. You know, that It yeah. shuts down baseball creativity and, 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 and the beauty of the game. There's no beauty. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, nobody thinks for themselves anymore. It, uh, it, you know, Kevin knows I watch NCIS, and somebody asked. They solve every crime, Will. You know, yeah, I know, but they asked Gibbs, they said, how did you know his number? Because I memorized it. You know, think about it. We grew up, I knew all my friends' phone numbers. Absolutely. I know my old phone number from when I was seven years old. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I know the phone number I grew up with. I you know six zero two eight. Yeah, you know now nobody knows anybody's phone number. They just you know they they hit their name and boom they go. You know and 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 it's you know we stop thinking. You know we, you know again like I always say on our pitching show when I studied hitters there was a sense of knowledge and confidence that I knew how to get that hitter out. Now somebody's handing you a packet in a meeting and it's a kid that's never pitched in his life. Who's looked at analytical stuff and he's telling you how to get somebody out. Do you really, I I know I wouldn't have confidence in that. And, you know, if you push back against that though, you're, you're, you're the evil, evil guy now. Too, so there's only so much as another. This is subject for another show, but maybe I can leave you with this. There's only so much uh, masculine toxic. What's the word? Toxic. Masculine toxicity. Toxicity. Yes, that you can have in the world nowadays. Oh yeah, you can't push back too strong. (laughs) No, no, exactly. I, uh, I, you know, you know, when I talk to some younger people, I just say. Do you understand the common sense? I'm saying, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. And you're listening, hearing, and listening now. Let them know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I so. have one last question because I see it here and there when I travel. And um, is it me or does this generation now, and I'm talking about like a lot of high school kids that I see around, they have a lot of difficulty saying hello and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Dave, you're, you're working with kids all the time. What do you say? Oh, yeah. We, 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 we had a question on that in our Facebook yesterday where we have a principle with our kids, but also with our teams where we call it the first. And it's not about winning. We always want to win. But we notice that in today's world where kids are attached to their iPads and their phones. My parents instilled this in me. When you see an adult, um, you say hello to them first. You shake their hand. You look them in the eye. And it means a lot to, I, I think, people who value respect and, and people who have old school mentalities, which I think is the best mentality, um, they value that. And I think that, uh, you know, it starts in today's world where kids are so distant. Um, yeah. It starts that friendship. It starts that camaraderie. And I even see it on the baseball field. Before our kids walk in the gym, we, we run a program for baseball and basketball for kids and a lot of inner city kids. Um, and we do have suburban kids and whatnot, but I meet every kid at the door. And no matter what background they come from, I'm there, I'm shaking their hand, trying to teach them that. And my voice to them simply says, the street stops here. So whatever street you come from, whatever you're, you're brought up doing, when you come into my gym or my baseball field, we're going to do it my way, the old fashioned way. We're going to say hello, please. And thank you. We st- I still get them the right thank you notes. They, every one of the kids wrote a thank you note to the director of the tournament we just went to. So that guy will remember them. They don't, people don't write thank you. They text messages, Instagram, they do TikTok dances, but I said, we're not doing a TikTok dance. Say thank you. Everyone who's going to write a thank you note to that guy who ran that tournament because there were 700 teams here nationwide, 200 college coaches to watch you guys. He did his job. Let's say thank you. He's going to remember that. Whether they get an extra bump along the road because he remembers that, who knows? But I, I guarantee he'll, he'll remember each kid. Well, it's a good life lesson. And even uh, I know when I spoke, uh, my daughter, when she coached, um, well, teaching, she, she would do it every morning. She would greet all the kids coming into the school you know middle school that's a lot of kids and uh, and also when I spoke recently at a school one of the first things I told the kids I gave them the trick of how to look somebody in the eye without looking them in the eye right between the eyes you know and um, and it was like I was uh, you know something they never heard before because they, they aren't being taught any practical things and I think again uh, you have a lot of great teachers out there especially in the public schools and but you also you have you have a lot of things that are being done now that are a little wacky. So we need we need to we need to bring some common sense back to these kids. And I think I think the good organizations in baseball also do that. I know I know uh, Jeter Jeter got ripped and Dembo got ripped in in, uh, in Miami, but I think they've they built somewhat of a base that, yeah. uh, there. And and one of the things they did was they were very and I remember talking to Dembo about it. He did it with the Yankees too. Um, you know, they, they really did a great job schooling the Latin America kids and yeah. putting them in schools and, and really teaching them as much as they could teach about the, you know, transitioning and stuff like that to, uh, to a different culture. And it was, it's, it's fascinating stuff and more of that needs to be done across the board. Oh, what, without it, that breaks down barriers. Um, it really does little things like shaking hands, like the Yankees. In fact, I did, I did that for extra money when I was playing minor league baseball because I have a foreign language background. But I also understood the culture of it. I roomed with the Latin players for extra. They gave me extra money to room with them and teach them English and the culture. Little things like when you're in a restaurant, you don't snap your fingers at a waitress. Oh um, yeah, yep. you're, you're gonna, you're gonna get right. spit on your hamburger. Don't do that. Um, so yeah, that stuff's important. I, I, I agree, and it's common sense stuff, and that's kind of what this is about. But see, AI doesn't put any of that in there. Uh, that's why. That's my new thing now. The nerds. I may start calling them the AI nerds in my columns. You know, I, uh, I I got a couple little stories. Uh, a kid who comes to my, you guys know I do that independent league workout thing. And we got a kid that's down in Daytona Beach that came to our workout that's doing really well. Got another kid that's uh, going to pitch for Chris Widger up in uh, Sussex that's doing, uh, had a really good spring training and made the team. So, but there's a kid who's been coming to my things. He's a utility infielder. He's played about seven or eight years of uh, independent league ball, played one year in an organization. He's bilingual American kid, great young man, really smart, taught himself investments, and he's made over a million and a half dollars in the last three or four years in investments. And, you know, he tries to help these kids that are playing minor league baseball. And I, I called my organization. Naturally, they didn't want to hire him because he didn't have an analytic background. I said, but my gosh, this is a guy who's been on the field playing baseball. He's a grinder who just keeps playing because he loves the game, but he's also smart. 
and teaching these kids how to invest their money. I, you, you know, that's something that's important in life, you know, for these kids, you know, cause how many of them piss away their bonus and, you know, they have nothing to, to show for it. So, you know, but that, you know, you, you know, when I, and I stay in touch with this kid all the time, I said, I'm getting close to retirement age. You're going to have to invest for me. now. <laughs> but, uh, you have to get him on the show, <laughs> you know, uh, Hey, Kevin, um, and, and then another thing I'll say, and, you know, Dave's kids are younger. You know, we talked about kids, and I'm sure you get this because I know you, how proud you are of your your sons and daughter. Um, you know, Dante now works in the baseball world, and the most proud thing I get is when people meet him and go, oh, my gosh, what a great young guy. He looked me in the eye. He shook my hand could sit and talk with me. You know, Dante's 25 years old, but he knows that that's the respectful thing to do. And it's going to take him far. It's going to take him far. You know, when you you meet somebody, treat people the way you want to be treated, not be treated coldly. You want to be treated warmly. You know, we have a, you know, we have a world where people are just cold and, and distant and don't want to be involved with anybody. And that's not a good thing. So, uh, when we get on to our uh, real life show, we'll uh, we'll break down some barriers. I will get. Yeah. I want to get back to our uh, our group, our our uh, panel, so we can get back to that sometime next week or the week yeah. after. So I think this this went really well, and I think the the audience is ready for us to hit them back with the show that actually you know was one of the flagships that's got us started. So I'm excited to bring that back whenever you guys are ready. I got one one more thing, yeah. Kevin. Dave lives like, I don't know, 30 miles from Bucky's, and he's never been. No way. My kids have, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, well, they. Uh, I, they, told they him, I said, you got to go over there. You well, can well, spend the whole day at Bucky's. Well, the first thing Will told me, this may derail the show here, but first thing he told me <laughs> yesterday was the bathrooms, <laughs> how beautiful the bathrooms are. I'll be driving up north soon. Um, and and it, it we go out of our way to go to Bucky's simply because the restrooms are in such great shape, and you get a lot of you get a lot of states now that don't take care of they their have, uh, restrooms. They have you know the food is wonderful. They have bakeries. They got uh, sausage sandwiches, pulled pork, beef, uh, hoagies, all fresh made breakfast sandwiches. You walk in there, it smells like you're you're in a in a world class diner that you could literally take your food and go eat in the bathroom <laughs> toilets and it would be cleaner than most restaurants. You that's go how we started the conversation. Oh, yeah. that's good. And, and and the other thing they do, getting back to our previous talk here, they, as soon as you walk in, they address you. They, yeah. they welcome you and look you in the eye. Yeah. Can and I help they, you? Do you need anything? What are you yeah, looking for? And, and, and the pulled pork sandwiches. And oh. uh, yeah, it's a, uh, my daughter loves it. She makes it a stop. Sometimes she go out of her way going back to Savannah just to, to hit the Bucky's. I will say this, though. If you're going to Florida, that they give yourself more time if you pull off at the Daytona Bucky's because it's set back. But uh, Bucky's is a great experience. And you know what it is, to be quite frank. Bucky's is basically taking the Chick-fil-A model of treating yeah. people what exactly what Dave was talking about, yeah. what Will was talking about, treating people right. And you're you're happy to spend your money there. You are happy when you leave Bucky's. You're happy no matter how, and you don't care how much money you spent. You were treated. You were treated like you used to be treated when you used to go to mom and pop stores. Yep, yep, that's it. But we are planning, Will. So you know, you did influence me. We have a trip this weekend to uh, with the girls for their basketball tournament. So we Bucky's is on the way. So we're going to stop at Bucky's. Bucky's. The girls will be very happy. The girls will be happy. So I will have a report on that next week. To, um, hey, Dave, make sure yards. you send this to uh, Bucky's PR. Oh, I definitely yeah. put that down at the end. I, I'm, I'm not going to take it a step further. I will not eat in the bathroom, though. Well, I've got a little phobia. Oh, okay. no, I, I wouldn't even do that. But, but you, no. you can buy art uh, just to fill the experience, oh. Dave, so you understand. Yeah. On your way to the bathroom, they don't waste the wall space. They no. have, it's a long walk you know, to get you there, but they have art all over the wall. So you can... You can take care of business and also buy a nice piece of art. That's yeah, it. The yeah. one in Florence is probably as big as two, That's my or three, two or three football fields from end to end. They got gas pumps. 
you know, uh, the price of gas was uh, the lowest I, I saw in 95. It was 99 the last time I stopped in a yeah. bucket. Yeah, it was it was fabulous. It was a uh, it was a a must stop and uh, uh, jump on board with the uh, the coaches and Kiernan folks, Buckies. I'm with you. I'm with you. You don't so, even know. You wouldn't even realize who's president if you go into a Buckies. Like right. anything else. Yeah. <laughs> Again, uh, uh, any, any parting shots, guys? Before we we have over an hour, we gave our audience today. Um, appreciate your guys' time with it. Uh, Great to be on with you guys. I always yeah. enjoy it. It was great, but I, I, I do have one quick parting shot. Um, we'll see what's going on with the Cardinals, but and this could be a future conversation. But you know, they are part. They, I think they sold Anheuser Busch, but they, you know, they you have the Bud Light situation and you have the Cardinals. Pretty bad. Yeah, that's my parting yeah. shot. Yeah, yeah. The, the Cardinals are struggling right now, and uh, the other yes. thing you mentioned, I want to mention their name. But uh, awful. But uh, yeah, guys, so we'll, we'll get our uh, panel of experts back together either next week or the week after. Think about some times that are good for you guys. Yeah. We'll bring Sal back in. And um, Sal's got his show later today. So he, he kind of knows we're getting ready to rock with that. So excited to have it back. And our audience, thanks for your support. 17,400 subscribers. Download, listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review so we can battle the analytics of the podcast world. We keep giving you great content like we did today. We went from minor league baseball to, to Bucky's and, and uh, I mean, it was, it was AI. Don't forget about AI. AI. That's right. I'm putting that in the show notes right at the front AI and then Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher. You can get us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, follow Kevin at ball nine, writes two beautiful articles every week. Hopefully the one is posted sometime later today. We can, we can catch what he was thinking about on this Tuesday, on this uh, Thursday, I should say. And uh, all we're trying to do is build a better baseball IQ for those 72 countries following us, grassroots, all the way up to MLB front offices. And we didn't hold back today. And we, as we warn you, prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth of our show because we are not, we have no time for the comfortable lies. Episode 176, it's the day at the yard, common sense pitching, but we've got 75% of our panel back together. Looking for 100% next week. Guys, thanks so much for your time and all yeah. your knowledge to our audience. Great right. being with you guys as always. Take care. God bless. Into a dream that